Good morning again, everybody. Sure is good to see you. It is good to be here with you. We're going to be in 1 John this morning. We've been looking since the first of the year at, at the most critical parts of, the, of following Christ, at the, just the goals and dreams and desires we have for this year. And, and specifically the last few weeks, we've looked at some key elements, some key issues that help us follow Jesus correctly. And the spiritual disciplines that we looked at several weeks ago, they help us practice those things, but we've looked at what those things are the last few weeks. We've looked at the key for uh, how important prayer is, how important repentance is, how important being able to wait on the Lord and willing to wait on His timing and His strength. And we're kind of continuing that this week uh, and, and, and into Easter um, as we're getting close to that time, but we're looking at confession this week. Confession is key. Confession is key. We'll be in First John chapter four again. I want to tell uh, Josh because I know some of you weren't in here yet or weren't listening either, either way. Uh, thank you for filling in the pulpit last week. It was his first time to preach on a Sunday morning. He's preached to the youth before, but I thought he did a wonderful job, and sure appreciate his willingness to serve the church and true it. Uh, Serving this morning by leading us in worship, phenomenal. Um, so let's dig into this. I'm excited. First John chapter four, verse seven. Beloved, let's love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, because God is love. By this the love of God was revealed in us, that God has sent his only Son into the world so that we may live through him. In this love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another... God remains in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this, we know that we remain in him and he in us, because he has given to us of his spirit. We have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God remains in him and he in God. Amen. Father, I come to you today and I thank you, Lord, for the privilege of serving you. I thank you for the opportunity for us to gather together to worship you, Lord, in song, to worship you in fellowship, to worship you uh, through, the, through the preaching and hearing and, and doing of your word, God. I pray, Lord, today that you would speak to me and through me. I thank you for the love and the grace and the mercy that you show us unending, God, and I pray that that, that, that truth and that reality, that you, that you love us in this way, God, this way that we're looking at this morning, God, that we would that we would desire to love each other and that we would make it a point to love each other in that way, God. I pray, Lord, that if there's someone among us this morning, God, that is lost in sin, that doesn't know you as Savior, God, that they've never confessed you as the one and only propitiation for for their sin, God, the, the forgiveness of their sin, and they've never received the gift of the Holy Spirit and the gift of eternal life, God, that today would be the day of salvation. And if 
For all of us that are here this morning, God, I pray that we would, that, that do know you, I pray that we would be revived, revived in our spirit and desire to truly make an impact on this world that is only a God-like impact, a Christ-like impact on those that are around us every day, God. And I pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. It always feels a little strange in here to me on the Sundays that we have praise team uh, when, our, when all of our kids are out. There's like a different energy when all those kids aren't buzzing around in here. Um, I don't know. Anyway, if you're K through 5 and you're in here, you could be back there having way more fun uh, this morning with our adults practicing for their Easter song. Uh, let's dig into this this morning. Um, so, <clears throat> as with a lot of letters in the New Testament, a lot of what John is dealing with in this first letter uh, is false teachers. So, from the beginning of the church all the way through the history of the church to current day, maybe as much as ever current day, there have always been people who come seemingly in the name of Christ, but are as far from being a follower and a prophet of God or a teacher of Jesus than anything. And so John is dealing with that in his letter. In the first six verses of this chapter, he's specifically talking about those false teachers, how you can identify them, how you can know that they're not who they say they are. And the, over, and the thing that he keeps repeating over and over and over is that true followers of Christ will profess, will confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And what he means by that is, what, exactly what he says, that he is fully human and fully God all the time. That is a key doctrine of being a follower of Christ. If you don't believe that, then you don't believe in the Jesus of Scripture. That's what Scripture teaches, that God came in the flesh, fully man, fully God. That's who the Savior of the world is. If, you're, if you have confessed otherwise, then you have confessed futilely. You have confessed to a faith that does not exist as far as Scripture has concerned. And so that's what he's dealing with. You hear of the Gnostics, Gnosticism, things like that, these things that were rising up, and it was like, like kind of Jesus, kind of Christian, but not really. And they would deny certain aspects of who Christ himself said he is. And so that's kind of what Paul is dealing with, or excuse me, what John is dealing with in this letter. And then he gets into, like, if this is how we tell what false teachers are, then this is how we should be able to tell who we are as a follower of Jesus. And he starts there with that word, beloved. I love that word. It's the word we've gotten away from. I love that word, beloved. I used to have a, a preacher back in the day that would say that kind of sarcastically, but um, I'm not saying it sarcastically. Beloved, uh, agapatoi, brethren and sisters that I love. Agapatoi agapomen is, what, is, is how you say that in the Greek. Those, it's two words, that, that whole phrase. Beloved, let's love one another is two words. Agapatoi agapomen. And it just means all of you that I love, let's love. So John is saying, hey, I'm not a hypocrite. I love you. Let's love each other. And so that's how he starts off this section talking about this. There are those words for you. Beloved, let's love one another like God loves. Brothers and sisters, I love. Let's love each other that way. And then he continues in verse 8 and he says, God is love. It's one thing to be loving. It's another thing for it to be who you are. God is love. He's only described, his character is described as being something only a few times in the New Testament. 
He, he does a lot of things, but it, it comes from his character, and his character is who he is. It's not even a characteristic. It's his essence. It's his very being. He is love. In verse 8, the one who does not love does not know God because God is love. Whatever, therefore, if his essence is loving, if he is love, then whatever he does is loving. When he blesses, it's a loving blessing. And when he disciplines, it's a loving discipline. When he gives, he gives lovingly. And when he takes away, he does so lovingly. What is love? Love does no harm. It does what is best. Trust the God that is love to always act in love because he can't act any other way because he is love. He's not just loving, he is love. He's light. That's another way he's described. He is consuming fire. Another way he is described in the New Testament. His light exposes sin. His consuming fire consumes sin. And in his love, because he is love, he protects the sinner in that. It's an amazing thing what God is able to accomplish. So you can't be, you cannot be reborn of God and not be what he is. You can't be. An unloving Christian is an oxymoron. Those two words can't go together. That can't be how God's people are described because it's not possible. It's not true. An unloving Christian is an oxymoron. It doesn't go together. It would be like me saying this. Okay, picture this. I got a guy up here standing beside me, and I say, hey, I really, I really know this person. Me, me and this person, we're really close. I know him. He knows me. We're, we're, we, are, we are close, close friends. But, but then come to find out, he speaks a language I don't understand at all. The way he speaks, the way he talks, the way he communicates, I've never heard it. I don't understand it. When he says something, I don't get it. I don't know what he's talking about. I've never understood his language. But I know who he is. I, but I can't really know him if I can't communicate with him. But I insist to you over and over and over that I know him. I know who he is. We're really good friends. But you know that I don't know his language. What would you think of someone who consistently said that? I know him. We're really close. We're great friends. But when he talks, I have no idea what he's saying. I don't even really know his name because I'm not even sure that's what he's saying. I don't know who he is because I can't understand what he says. But I'm really close to him. I really get him. We're really close buddies. You would think, you're a liar. You're a liar. You can't be close to him and not be able to communicate. That doesn't make any sense, humanly speaking. That's what you would think of me. That You would think, that cannot be true. You cannot be best friends with him and not know how to communicate, not know how to speak to him. And it's the same for us. To know Jesus, yet not to love, is the same thing. Because that is his language. That is who he is. It's an oxymoron. Verse 10, and this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Sometimes it's like, you know, God should be really thankful that I love him. Like, he should, he should be grateful that I have decided to join his team 
and to love him. And, and, and scripture is completely opposite to that. Scripture is not, you're a big deal because you love God. Scripture is, you're a big deal because God loves you. There's a big difference in how you view the world and how you view your life in those two things. If God is lucky to have you on his team, then it's about you. But it's not about you or me. We try to make it about us. I mean, I've told God more than once, and I've said this recently, I have been, that has been my heart more than once. Like, God, you should be glad that I'm on your team. Like, I'm batting 500, baby. I went three for four yesterday. Like, that's how we view it, but it's not, it's just not true. And we have to guard our hearts from that. We can't live from that place. We have to live from the place that this is love. God loves me, therefore I love him. God loves me. That's why I love him. And how did he love us? He sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. One of my favorite theological terms. I love that term. What is love? Who is God? He's the one who took all the pain and all the punishment upon himself. That is love. That's what love is. Love is not getting what you want. That's a, that's, that's a childish view of love, a very childish view, view of love. And, and that's, one reason why, <clears throat> whew, that's one reason why young relationships don't work out very well, because they think that the relationship is good if they're getting what they want all the time. And that may or may not be the case. That may or may not be good. The older you get, the more you learn that you, you don't even really know what you want. Like, there's been things that I thought I wanted in my life, and you work hard to get there, and you work hard to get that, and then you realize, man, I don't even really like this. And that was a lot of wasted effort and a lot of wasted time trying to get what I thought I wanted. So love is not getting what you want. It's getting what you need. God gives us what we need. And then we learn that what we need is actually what we want. Excuse me. God knows what you need. You don't even know what you want, but God knows what you need. That's love. What you need is him. Scripture says this. Eternal life, heaven, is knowing God. That's what we need. We need to know him, who he really is, be in his presence. That is as good as it gets to exist, which is crazy to me sometimes. Like, it's hard for me to wrap my mind around that that's what that means. What am I saying? I'm saying a, a loving husband, a good, loving husband will do anything to protect his wife from harm. That's love. A, a loving dad, a loving mom will take it all upon themselves to protect their children from harm. The loving God took the punishment of sin upon himself. The son took the wrath of the father so that you and I can be called children of God. That's what propitiation means. The substitutionary sacrifice. The substitutionary atonement. It's a cool word. It means we're protected from the guilt of our sin and protected from the wrath of God because of our sin. Propitiation. It's a cool term. So, how are you loving your neighbor? Like that? Because that's what scripture says love is. Not the warm fuzzies. 
That's what love is. Doing what's best for another, even and especially if it costs you your own comfort. That's a tough love. That's a non-human love. That's a love you can't grit your teeth and create. That's a love that in and of yourself you will never be able to express to other people without the Holy Spirit of Christ living inside of you. And that's John's whole point in this section. And he says it again. Beloved, if God so loved, we also ought to love one another. Church, we've got to get serious about this. We've got to get serious about this. It's repeated over and over and over and over and over and over in Scripture. Every brother, every sister amongst us in church should be loved like a true brother or a true sister. Like they are a child of God. Because that's what we are as believers in Christ. We are children of God the Father in heaven. You can't say that you appreciate and understand what Jesus did for you and then treat your brother or sister with condemnation. I'm going to repeat that because that needs to stick to me and to you and to all of us. You can't say that you understand and appreciate what Jesus did for you and then treat your brother and sister with condemnation. Christ didn't come to condemn the world, but to save it. You don't have the right to condemn someone else for what they're not doing correctly. You don't know the whole story. Only the one who has an all-seeing eye and all-knowledge and all-powerful and all-righteousness has the right to judge. You don't know the whole story. That's why we're told not to judge each other. We can't condemn each other and say that we are properly following Christ. Let me say it this way. These things are the opposite of love when it comes to you and me and you and you and you and you, our relationships with each other. If this describes your relationship with someone, then you're not loving like Christ loves. Being resentful. You can't be resentful. God's not resentful towards you, thank goodness. We can't be resentful towards each other. What do I mean? We can't hold a grudge. If you're holding a grudge, you're not loving like Jesus. Looking down on someone. God doesn't look down on you. Although he has the right to. We can't look down on each other. Here's one. This one, this one, this one is almost like it's a good thing sometimes. Playing favorites. Scripture says that we can't play favorites. What, I'm, what do I mean by that? Like, because this guy is powerful, has influence, is a decision maker in the world, I butter him up. That's playing favorites. God doesn't like that at all. But this person over here that, that, that I deem is not as worthy as this guy, I don't treat him the same. I don't treat her the same. This guy, yeah, he gets all my attention, my affection. I'll do anything. I'll show up for him. When he needs a favor, I'll do a favor for him. But, but this guy over here, he kind of gets in my way. He's kind of slowing me down from what I really want to accomplish in life. That's playing favorites, and God doesn't like it. Being dishonest about or being dishonest to someone. Christ is all grace and all 
Come on, Brad, I was counting on you. Jesus is all grace and all truth all the time. If we're being dishonest, we're not loving. Here's another one. Chattering, whispering, or murmuring about someone's intentions. You know, I think what they really meant to do. I think this is why they're doing that. That murmuring. Murmuring, whispering, chattering. Divides the body of Christ. Here's another one. Being stingy. We can't be stingy and be loving like Christ. God is generous. Being rude, being coarse. Can't say, well, I'm just being honest. Okay? Be honest with grace. Being rude is being honest like a jerk. God's not honest like a jerk. He's honest with grace. We can't be rude and we can't be coarse. That's not how we treat each other. We can't be loving like Jesus if we're doing that. Being secretive. Why am I saying that? Because it says in the scriptures that Jesus is light. Light exposes things. Secrets are in the dark, unexposed. Now, I'm not saying someone's confidence, like somebody expresses something to you and they're like, please keep this between us because it would harm them if it got out. That's different. See, that's harming someone. I'm talking about when we do things and we say, don't tell so-and-so or, or don't do this because it will make me look bad. That's being secretive. Being secretive is not a good thing. And then the last one, and you'll like this one more than you like the other ones. Affirming righteous what God calls sin. See, Christian love is not just the feel good, you're okay, everything's fine, no matter what love. It's truth and grace. Not just grace, truth and grace. What God calls sin is sin. And saying that it's not is not being loving. We should be emboldened to stand in front of the world and say, Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world and the only way to eternal life in a relationship with God the Father. That's not being a bigot. That's telling the truth. If you believe that and you don't tell that to someone else, that's not being loving. It's probably being a chicken. Probably being scared, but you can't say, well, I don't want to offend them. If you're offending with the truth and with grace, then you're loving like Christ. Christ was not scared to say things that made us uncomfortable as human beings. Christ was not scared to say something that we disagreed with as human beings. Christ was not scared to say, what you're doing is sin and it's wrong and it's not okay. But he said it with grace. He didn't throw stones. He just said, stop doing that. It's hurting you and it's hurting others. So we can't, we can't call what, is, what God says is sin. We can't, we can't say that that's okay. But we don't condemn the sinner. Say, so how do you do that? So follow Christ. I don't know. Be in the word. Pray a lot. Say, I'm sorry a lot because you're going to mess that up. But that's what loving like Christ looks like. Love forgives. Love hopes for the best. All people. Not just your people. All people in the church. Hopes for the best. Gives the benefit of the doubt. Love heals. Love helps. Love makes things better. Love is light. Love can be displayed out in the open because it has nothing to hide. That's how we're called to treat each other. If we're not treating each other like that, then don't expect to go reach a lost and dying world. 
the greatest evangelism we can have is how we treat each other inside the church. How we love each other is the greatest evangelism we can give to the world. Whew. Some of us are here this morning. And then we get to the crux of today. Verse 15. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God remains in him and he in God. Confession. Confession is the key to what we're talking about today. Homologeo, this word here, is the word in the Greek. Some of that looks similar because we still use some of those words. This word means to say the same thing as another. To agree, in other words, with someone else. To confess is another way we say it in English. To profess. To, to declare openly. To speak out freely. This word is even used in English sometimes as praise. Have you ever thought about your confession being a form of praise? That's pretty cool. Celebration. When you break this word down into its two root words, <coughs> excuse me, you've got hamal and logos. Well, that's when it gets interesting when you look at that word like that. Hamal and logos. Hamal is together, of persons assembled together. Kind of sounds like the church, doesn't it? Same people is what that means. We use that word in science still. Logos, a word, or the word, the sayings of God, logos. Where, where, where else is that word used in Scripture? When I hear that word, I always think of one area of Scripture. It comes to my mind every single time I think of the word logos. Anybody else with me? Hey, baby, I knew I'd have one. Yeah. I did not tell him before the service to say that. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the Greek, that's, in the beginning was the Logos, and the Logos was with God, and the Logos was God. And then it keeps going in, in John chapter 1. He, the Logos, was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, not even one thing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of mankind. Homo logeo. This, this is the confession that John is talking about. It's not, it's not, it's, oh, this makes me mad. It's not that cookie cutter, fake evangelism thing that we've done for decades so we can talk about how many people got saved. It's not, say this and everything's okay. That's not what it is. It's a confession that comes from the heart. It's a confession that comes from the Spirit of God has pricked you and said, you need me, and you realize that you need God. And on the inside, you have already surrendered to God, surrendered to the truth that Jesus is the Savior of the world, surrendered to the truth that without him you are nothing and you have no hope. And then out of that... You confess. Not just some words you say so you can feel good. That's not it. The words come from inside. This is the profession that he's talking about. This is the declaration. This is the agreement. To confess Jesus is the Son of God is to confess, declare, and agree from the heart that Jesus is eternal. He is of God because he is God. And this confession does not come from us. 
It can't. On your own, you'll never make this confession. This comes from a surrendered heart of man that the Holy Spirit has come inside and is present and then makes it possible to make that declaration. Homologeo. It's a very important word, this word confession. To confess is to say, I am of the same people of Jesus. It's not just saying some words. To confess is to agree with the word of God, the logos of God. And the logos, the word of God, is love. That's the logos of God. Agape, wholehearted, doing good love. Not warm fuzzies. Hesed love. Many of you know that's my favorite Old Testament word for God's love. Faithful, loving kindness, doing good, doing the things that help each other, doing the things that makes this world bearable and even enjoyable in spite of all the sin, in spite of all the things going on that make this world so difficult to experience and to, and to actually bear it. But when we love that way, with his said, it's like, you know what? I can face the day. I can face the week. I can keep going no matter what's going on. When we love each other that way, it changes us and it changes everything around us. That's the confession that John's talking about. Faithful loving kindness. It does, not because of who is receiving it, it does because of who it is. That's why it loves. God doesn't love because of who you are. He loves because of who he is. We don't love because the person deserves our love. We don't do good because the person deserves us doing good. We do it because we are Christ's. We are possessed by him. Big difference. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God remains in him and he in God. There's power in confessing Jesus. There's power in confessing Jesus. There's, there's eternal life-altering power in crying out, Jesus is the Son of God, my Savior from my sins. Pay attention. The Son of God. The Savior from my sins. The Savior of all the world. And he'll do the same for the world. Save them from their, there's power in confessing that. We shy away from it, from you even using the name Jesus. Think about your language. Think about when you talk to each other. How often do you say Jesus? We, we, we church it up. The Lord, I mean, that's okay. It's not wrong. The Lord, the Lord's been good to me. No, Jesus has been good to you. Use that word every once in a while. There's power in that. Eternal life giving. This physical life altering power and confessing that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. His blood saved you from the punishment of sin that you rightly deserve from a holy and righteous God. So if you have not done that today, then you need to do that today. If you have never confessed, declared, and agreed with Jesus, the word of God, for the forgiveness of your sins and for the gift of eternal life, then you need to do that today.
That's the first thing. Got three more points. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's the first thing. If that's you, then, then do it today. Stand right here in front of this church and confess that Jesus Christ is your Savior. That you want to live for him. That you have died to yourself and you want to live for him. You agree that he is God. Do that today. But if you're here today and you've already done that, well, then we're fishing to get a little more personal for about five minutes. Therefore, confess your sins to one another, those that already know Christ. When you flip over to James 5, he's talking to us when he says this. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. Now, this verse gets used in the physical context, and it applies to the physical context. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes confession heals us physically. But more importantly, it can heal us spiritually, relationally, with each other. See, we talked about holding grudges and, and being resentful and all that. You know how that stuff gets fixed? Confession. And you can't, you can't, on your own, confess to that kind of stuff. It takes the power of Christ to do that, because it is the scariest thing you can possibly do to look someone dead in the eyes and say, Brother, I'm wrong, and I'm sorry. But there's nothing in this life that heals more than that than someone looking you dead in the eyes and saying, I'm wrong, and I'm sorry. I should not have done that. I should not have said that. I should not have been there. I should not have looked at that. I should not have heard that. Whatever it is. I don't know what it is. I ain't talking about anything specific. If you feel like I'm talking about something that's going on in your life, that's between you and the Holy Spirit. I have nothing on my mind other than the, the normal dealings of sinful brothers and sisters. This is just how it is. We have to confess our sins to one another. We have to make right our relationships with one another. So the question I'm going to ask you is, does your love line up with Jesus' love right now between people in the church? Does your confession that you say you follow Jesus match your action that you love the brothers and sisters that way? If not, you're hurting this community of believers. You're damaging the church, you're hindering the spirit, and you need to confess and agree with what God has already said, which is what confessing is. It's agreeing with what God has already said is correct. Confess to your brother and sister your wrongdoing and fix the relationship. That's the most important thing. Mm. There is no Agreement with the word of God when there's discord between brothers and sisters. We can't come in here and be right this way if we're not right this way with each other. So we must confess our sin. Earlier in 1 John, John says it this way, right in the middle of it, it's kind of the turning point of the whole letter. This is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. 
That's how we act out our belief, is how we treat each other. We can't have one of those things without the other. You can't have belief in Jesus and not care for your brothers and sisters. They're one and of the same. Belief in Jesus causes us to care for each other, even and especially when it is hard to do such. To believe in and confess Jesus is the Son of God, the Savior of the world, is to love one another. They go hand in hand. And so, if you're not part of the first group where you need to confess Christ as your Lord and Savior for the first time today, you need to make that public declaration. If you're in the second group, excuse me, then I beg you, beg you, beg you to make it right between your brother and sister, whatever it is. Because we can't have effective fellowship. We can't have effective body of believers. We can't have a, an, a, a church that shines light for Jesus, that reaches the world, that, 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 that goes out and through our actions grabs sinners and jerks them off the pathway to hell and sends them straight to the pathway to heaven if we're not right with each other. It's our number one way to evangelize. So, if that's any of us this morning, please fix it. Fix it. Fix it. First, with the Father and with the person as well. I'm going to pray for us and we'll finish in song. And if you have business you need to attend to, whether it be one of those two things or something else, please do it. I'll be down here in front. Father, we thank you and we love you. God, and I confess my need for you, God. I confess that you are Lord and Savior. I confess that I'm a dirty, rotten sinner, worthless before you. That what I deserve is death and condemnation and hell forever. But Lord, I profess that because of your love and because of who you are, God, that I'm forgiven of my sins. Please, God, do not let me and do not let us as a church ever think that we're okay with you if we're not okay with each other. Lord, give us a heart that desires said for each other, that we desire to be loving, faithful, and kind to each other, even and especially when it costs us, when it is difficult, when there is a sacrifice, God, because you gave the ultimate sacrifice to make our relationship with you right. Can we please see the truth in that and the power in that when it comes to how we live with each other, God? If there's business that needs to be tended to today, God, during this time, I pray that the Holy Spirit would move in and amongst us and that all business that you need and desire to be handled this morning would be handled. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen.